Hello, everybody. Jason Sarney here. Welcome to a weekend edition of the Finn Maniacs podcast. And I got my partner in crime, Drew Welch here. Drew, how are you, bud? I am doing excellent. Everything is running excellent. Dolphins Nation is enjoying this as they should. We are at five wins in a row, and it's just going to get better. First time at six and three to start really the first half and change of a year since 2001. And the Dolphins are traveling to Denver. They have the flip side of the Dolphins' six and three record at three and six. They are a hurting bunch because they are basically still deciding on what quarterback is going to lead them, whether it's Drew Locke or, uh, you know, son of a former NFL quarterback, Mark Rippon, Brett Rippon. So either way, how do you see the Dolphins kind of going into this game? Who do you think that they're preparing for? And how do you see it initially going on into a week 11 bout? Okay, so one of the things to notice is that but on top of all the other problems, the Denver Broncos don't have a great O-line to begin with for either one of those QBs. And the, they've got two hurt tackles. So that's not looking exactly great to start with because the Dolphins are going to want to get in there and whichever QB starting, they're going to want to disrupt them. They're going to want to make him feel uncomfortable. And it, and it really doesn't matter which one. So if Locks in there, you make him uncomfortable. He th he'll throw a lot of picks because he feels that uncomfortable. And that's the way this team is built is to get a lead, keep the lead, make the QB feel uncomfortable, and then pin the ears back once things start going down uh, until you hit the fourth quarter and the lead's huge and then just kind of ride it out from there. I love it. And that's the exact kind of principle that this Dolphins defense has been playing with to disrupt the quarterback, and you say that, and immediately it's Emmanuel Agba. Because, you know what? I'm going to tell you something, Drew. I know that he's like a Pro Bowl guy, but I'm going to take it one step further. He's playing like an all-pro. Like, he literally is playing like one of the top four, statistically, because he is. He's number four in sacks in the entire league. And it just seems that he's getting a big play every single week. And it's making these defensive backs' job – very easy for guys who make it look very easy. So it's not, you know, taking six seconds for them to kind of fight with receivers down the middle of the field and the sidelines to cover them. It, it, it's, oh, he plays over? Cool. Emmanuel got to him. Shaq got to him. Awesome. Van Ginkle got to him. Great. And it's just making life so good. And it's to the point where it's like, all right, Jared Goff, doesn't matter. Got to him. Kyler Murray still had a very good statistical game, but I, I remember you know that Byron Jones hit that kind of basically took the life out of him. So this defense is stepping up and really coming up big. It's that bend, don't break mentality. So ripping, lock, Jimmy Crack Corn, don't care. Can't wait to see what this defense continues to do against the Broncos. It's going to be fun to see. And I'm going to make a prediction now. Xavier Howard is going to have his 18th interception since December of 2017. He leads the league since then, and it's going to be his 50th game. So that will be a thing of beauty to have all that happen at the same time. The funny thing is, and I'm going to hold you to that prediction, I'm going to piggyback on it and say that I endorse it and I'm with you, but people are still throwing to him. And it's really just funny to me because you think of lockdown quarterback cornerbacks you think of islands 
and you, you don't seem to think of interception. Even Darrell Rivas did not have a ton of interceptions. You know what I mean? I mean, he did, but like, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like people didn't yeah. throw his way. So you almost think that these interceptions are coming out of nowhere, but people are testing him and he's getting pass defended and he's getting interceptions and all right, keep on throwing his way. He's almost laughing at this task. So I'm with you there, man. Well, the thing is, you've got Byron Jones on the other side, and he is all over the other receiver. And X has kind of that – and I don't know exactly how to say it. He plays on and off the wide receiver. He's just got that mentality about him. And he just kind of leads the QB in to think the guy's open and then jumps the route at the last second. So I think that's where a lot of those interceptions are coming from. I mean, you got to throw to somebody, right? So my first option's covered. I look at my second option. I got to throw. Most QBs are not running through their progressions, unlike a young rookie named Tua, who managed to get to his third, third or fourth reads now today as a rookie. Uh, most QBs are read one, read two. I'm throwing the ball, and plus, at, they are they're also getting nervous because, as you mentioned with Agba, Agba's coming from all these different angles. Uh, you don't know who's going to hit you where. So with all that stuff going on, they get nervous. They make the throw because they think they see something's open. And next thing you know, X is running back with the ball again. He sets that, that and forgive me, the Baylor bear trap maybe. It's like he, he gives that quarterback that window. And then right when he's like, I'm, I'm ahead of you. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to pick that ball up. And that, that play against the Jets, that was so evident against Flacco. It's like he just came out of nowhere and just picked it out. But he was really right there the whole time. But X is just that guy. And then you mentioned Byron Jones on the other side. Why would you throw to Byron Jones's way? But then you look at the other options. X has his man. And then you look at, again, I'm going to say it. I'm going to pound my chest and pat a little bit myself on the back with Nick Needham's production in the slot. Never wavered on this kid. And he really was a boundary corner. And that was, I think, a situation where you have to give him credit for just being a team player, just like you have to give credit for a Bobby McCain move positions and Eric Rowe move positions and coach Flores and DB coach Gerald Alexander said, you know what, let's, let's move him into the slot. And in the last month and change, he has been one of the best slot cornerbacks and was a big part in helping shutting Keenan Allen down and even took home the game ball as defensive player of the game against the chargers last week. So the secondary as a whole, Drew, is this a top five in the league? Easy. There's, there, there, there's for what they want to do. So they're primarily a man. Uh, they do drop to zone and they want to be able to swap around. And that's what makes them good at what they do is that it's not always the same look. It's constantly a changing look and not every player can play that kind of different play. So, I mean, if you take a guy like uh, uh, Richard Sherman, you know, everybody would be like, if he hit the free, get Richard, get Richard. Now, he's, he's great at what he does. But what, what does he do? He takes away one side of the field. That's what he does. You're not going to throw in this general area. I'm going to take that away from you. And that's great. But what the Dolphins do is all these different things. And that's why, as a unit, they are so good. It's not any one individual. It's the entire machine running together, each cog catching what it's supposed to catch. Uh, and it, it takes a little bit of time to get that to melt, especially when Byron went out at the, the beginning of the year. So we're just now starting to see what they saw in this unit going in. And it's, it's been really fun to see. Uh, what, what, what it, was it four TDs in the last uh, overall from the defense in the last 
They got the they, uh, they were responsible. They got the responsible for the TVs. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what what I think the best part about this defense, the most enjoyable part, is that they're creating their amoeba style defense. They're creating this like actual living entity with them moving around before the actual snap. So you have to worry about who might intercept the ball, who might uh, sack the quarterback, who might be rushing from the middle areas of the linebacking core because you you have. Van Ginkle, Van Noy. And even, again, I'm going to give him credit from a couple of shows ago. I believe he is still the, the leader of tackles for loss, Landon Roberts. And if you have a limited participation in Kyle no- uh, Van Noy, you need him to step up. You need Gregor Hill to step up. And these are all guys who have that next man up mentality. And Van Ginkle's even doing on special teams, Drew. I mean, he is the leader of tackles for the special teams unit and, of course, the block punt on that unit so who else do you see being maybe that next man up if we mentioned it sure let's piggyback on it if not who on that defense do you think we're going to be speaking about against denver who i'd love to be speaking about are two guys and that's a defensive end and a linebacker but we all know they kind of shift around and that's kyle van noy and shaq lawson shaq lawson needs 1.5 uh sacks to get to 20 and kyle van noy needs half a sack that would be a beautiful thing Lawson gets a full one. They meet in the middle for a second one. They both hit 20, and we all get to watch it, and we start seeing the interceptions start going down. I got to tell you, if, if you're spitting that stat out, which I love, something tells me that I think Shaq and Kyle know that stat as well. I'll throw another Shaq Lawson stat. He's played two games against the Broncos, three sacks combined in those games. So by my math, he's going to get 14 against the Broncos. I'm not a math major, Drew. <laughs> I like it. Okay, but we'll settle for two because two would hit your number and the number that I'm kind of saying. So I think he could actually get at least a sack and a half, maybe even two. And Kyle Van Noy, hopefully he does go. And if he does go, he, he's a factor. I mean, he's a guy who's probably itching to get into the end zone because he was about three inches from it a couple of games ago. So we have to shift to the offense now. And I think you happen to be a Malcolm Perry fan. Is that a, is that a true statement? Have you mentioned that you like him at all? I, I'm excited to see what Malcolm Perry can bring to the table. He, he, he does it in all three phases of the game – or not all three – well, two of the three phases, actually. But throwing the ball, catching the ball, running the ball, uh, kick returning. I mean – there's a lot of things they can do, and they've started putting a little more wiggle, a little more wiggle, and this could be the breakout game where they really open some stuff up. You made a prediction. I'm going to make a prediction. I want Malcolm Perry to get into the end zone, and here, this is for you. This is for you. This is November. This is salute, veteran salute month. You know, Malcolm Perry's a Naval Academy man. Do you know where I'm going with this? He's going to score a touchdown, and he's very, very – Calmly and reserved, I'm going to give a mile-high salute. I love it. And that's the celebration. And then he's going that to hand the ball perfect. back to the ref, and then he's going to run back, and he's going to give another salute to Coach Flo. That's my prediction. Now, the one thing we don't know, we were talking about earlier, is if Wilkins going to be there. But if he is there, hopefully he doesn't jump on anybody's foot. We don't know if that did or didn't happen, but we're just going to say, let's not jump on anybody's foot this week. That's like the jump heard around the world. You know what we need to do? You ever see Demolition Man, Drew? Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. I remember that movie. Remember they couldn't, like, it's funny that we're living in Demolition Man because they couldn't make contact with each other. They had to give high fives by, like, you know, doing, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, don't touch. Circle. Wax on, wax off. That's the celebration. That's what we need for Christian. Don't jump. Just do, like, yeah. But just, you know, (laughs) reserve yourself, big guy. 
But hopefully he does make the trip because he was on the COVID list. Yes, hopefully he does. I mean, they played well without him last week, but he's a huge piece. I know a lot of people don't see what he does, but he caves a pocket in. He's all over the place on that defense, and plus he's just a leader on that defense. He, he's a guy you want to have on the field, if at all possible. The Dolphins also do have another guy on the defensive line who's a rookie, who Coach Flores, I think, you know, sometimes I think a coach does the pound their fist on the desk for a pick in the draft. And maybe a GM says, you know, we're going to work together here, but you know, if you get one or two, just let me know. And, and we all saw coach Flo doing the ride, the bus dance with Raekwon Davis and talk about an a plus potential hit for a massive need, because we don't know what's going to happen with the injured. Now what's, what's going to be Davin Godshaw next year. And you mentioned Christian Wilkins. We don't know. We, we need a guy like a Raekwon Davis to step up. And that's exactly what he's been doing. Oh, yeah, he, he's definitely holding his own. And the DTs never get any love. Everybody, you know, oh, they're a bust. They're a bust. You always hear that. Then you look at the actual stats for DTs. Uh, I mean, other than Aaron Donald. I mean, he, he's the exception of the rule. But for most DTs, if you get three or four sacks, you're doing pretty good because your job is to cave in the pocket. You're taking, your, your job is to get extra offensive linemen to block you so that it opens up the edges and all those extra holes. Your job isn't to go get a bunch of sacks. If you're worried about getting a bunch of sacks, you're leaving the rest of the problems open. And that's really what they do, and that's what they've been great at so far this season. The interior line has, has been excellent, and I'm, I'm re really am hoping Godshaw – I think it's going to come down to probably a contract issue. I know uh, Kyle Krabs has kind of said the same thing on his podcast a couple of times, and it kind of makes sense. They, they, they got a lot of high draft capital in there. Uh, but he is a leader for the team, and I think it'd be great to stay because he remember he was or, organizing all those uh, off-season workouts and things of that nature, being a real leader in the off-season. That's really what you want to see from a guy that you want to build up. I agree there. I mean, I'd love to have Godshaw, but you know, obviously the play of, of Raekwon Davis, the presence of a, a young Benito Jones who could be making his name in there, and who knows? Look, Joe Rosenhaus is the Godshaw agent, so you know he's getting top dollar somewhere. So we'll see how that happens. But I hate going back to the defense, even though I love talking about a Dolphins defense, because I feel like that's the, the, the DNA of a great potential Dolphins team is to have an extremely solid defense. But we have to just talk about the offense and Tua. It's nice to get into a podcast about 15 minutes and not have to talk about Tua. I feel like that's a positive sign. Absolutely, because, I mean, he's doing everything right. And we're going to look up, and it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful sight this week. As you see, all the people who said, well, if you just had Jerry Judy, you'd be good too. As the other side is going to have Jerry Judy, Tua isn't going to have Jerry Judy, and Tua is going to outperform whoever the, the opposing quarterback is. I don't care if it's Brett Rippon. I don't care if it's Locke. I don't care if it's Mark Rippon, and they just magically reaged him. Throw him in there. He's going to get outperformed this week. I think that, listen, I'm going to be in agreement with you. I do think the two is going to have a very good game. I do think the Dolphins, you know, we'll talk prediction later, but I do think they're going to get out of there with another win. And I happen to think the two might have, and look, he's been five touchdowns, no picks. How about this, Drew? He has a tackle before he has a career interception, a career tackle before he has a career interception. I love that. And I do think he might get a pair of touchdowns, maybe 250 yards. 
I mean, look, if I'm wrong, fantastic. Let him get 350. But if it's a win, don't care if he goes 9 of 12 for 87 yards and 14 rush yards. But as long as he keeps that slate clean, you know, moves the ball. And listen, he has to start going as, uh, you know, um, my co-host on the Monday and Wednesday shows with Jay Fiedler. He says he's got to start going to the right. If he can start rolling out to the right and showing that other presence, then he's going to be extremely dangerous. And if we start seeing that, because Tua has shown adjustments in each of his games, even if it's a running play, he's done things to set up the defense that might give running backs like a Savin Ahmed the, the three or four feet wiggle room or just straight direction to get nine yards instead of two. So Tua is making those developments. And if he can get that other half of that rollout – and that ability to go right and then kind of get that hip torque and turn his body and still make that left-handed throw, this league is going to be in trouble, bro. Oh, I agree 100%. It's looking good. And you know what? Uh, since we're throwing out predictions today like crazy, I'm going to throw out another one. Go. And this is one that you referenced on Twitter, so I'll give you the credit for pointing it out originally. But Devontae Parker has his 10th 100-yard game against the Denver Broncos this week. Tua lights it up. They finally start getting that chemistry together. They, they're able to get a little bit of space, and they put it up on them early because they have to because they're in Denver, and you don't want to leave it till the fourth quarter in Denver with that high altitude. That's my prediction. That and Tua breaks off a 10-yard run. Um, I'm going to give you the Tua 10-yard run in the first quarter. That's easy. We'll give you that. That's, I'm with you there. And the Devontae Parker prediction, I love it. And I appreciate the, the nod. And basically, that would make them – ready for this, Dolphin fans? Think about this, and we love our wide receivers in Dolphin lore. If, if and when, because it's going to happen soon, this season, but if it does happen Sunday, Devontae Parker will be in a crew of five, the top five in that category of Dolphin receivers in those 100-yard games if he gets his 10. So – I'm rooting for Devontae Parker to do it with a win on the road against the Broncos. And here's something that I've seen on Twitter and and all over the socials. People are asking about the altitude, the air. And I think it just makes Jason Sanders range 79 yards. What do you think? Uh, It's possible. I mean, you you see when he's kicking off the football before for the other team to get it, he's splitting the hash marks. He's splitting the sticks there. So if he could do it, if he could do it, keep doing that. Why couldn't he? It, it would be fun to see. I mean, when was the – who was it? The Raiders did that with uh, – uh, what was that QB's name – or that kicker's name? Uh, Janikowski's on the record? No, they tried one that was like 80 yards at one point. Do you remember? Oh it was God. one of their really bad seasons. It was like 75 yards or something they tried because nothing was working. That won't I mean, work if nothing else is working. Yeah, it, it, it was a while back that they tried it. But, yeah, I, I just – I don't know why that stuck out. I just remember it from SportsCenter and seeing it. I was like, oh, man, when, you're, when your day's going like that, I don't think they're going to have uh, – I don't think we're going to have a 70-yard Jason Sanders kick, though. The offense is doing too well for that to, to risk that kind of field position, in my opinion. But I, it would be fun to see because Jason Sanders – is accurate above accurate. He has the longest consecutive uh, field goals uh, from 2019 to 2020. Uh, 22 is where the streak ended. So, I mean, he's blue chip. He's as blue chip as you're going to get. He's on that same list with uh, up there with Alinda Mare, Stoyanovich. 
I mean, the Dolphins have had a lot of really great kickers, and the fact that he's leading that list with consecutive made kicks is pretty pretty impressive regardless. He's been so automatic. The, the field goal that he missed was a win, so, the, you know, not a huge deal. It was barely a miss. It was long enough. It just faded a little to the right, like my golf drive. What could you do? My golf drive goes a lot to the right. But Sanders is a guy who, like Olindo Mari, you know, I think Bronco game, I think Olindo Mari. It's like literally the first thing that I think of is Olindo Mari and, you know, way back when, 19, 20 years ago, winning a game for the Dolphins that Jay Fiedler led them back and got hurt in. But, you know, I do really think that this team has a lot of similarities to those strong defensive-led teams of the early 2000s, the late 1999 teams with that extremely good defense. And obviously, you know, not Dan Marino-led, but the quarterbacks of a Fiedler. And you have even a Chad Pennington from 2008. That's the kind of situation I think Tua needs to be, the game manager plus. Let's get, you know, some, some of that ability, that natural gift that he could do. But I do think that the game manager hat is what he has to wear instead of the statistical mar- Marvel, you know, Lamar Jackson, 150 yards on the ground, 250 yards throwing, need to happen kind of guy. Uh, I agree 100%. Uh, and we got to remember, this is Tua's first year, right? So they're building – they've decided now to build this team around Tua. But that didn't happen till draft day and the number five pick. And there wasn't this huge, you know, plan. They weren't able to have him in a lot. Obviously, you don't know who you're going to pick. So they didn't have a draft strategy and a free agent strategy to start building a team around Tua going into this year. So he's taking over a team that was built well built very, very well, and it was built, but it was built very, very well for anyone to walk in the door. So they built a big O-line for any QB that was back there, whether it was Tua, where it was Herb. Everybody knows that the Dolphins, there was all the rumors about Tua and all that, but they didn't move from fifth. So they were prepared to make a move and had certain QBs on their list. So they built a team that's really good that needs to – just somebody to manage them to take them through to the house. Because this team's identity is on the defense. This is a defensive team, period. End of story. That's how they're going to win games. And if it's close, they've got a clutch kicker, and you need to see the, those clutch kickers. And that can, think about how often that's been the difference. Uh, look at the Patriots. Look at the Ravens' success. When it gets close, do you have that clutch kicker? Do you have that Adam Vinatieri uh who is the only active player that also gets social security. Uh, do you have those kind of players that when it's time to make the kick, even if it's not the longest kick, now he's got tons of leg too. That's a beauty is he's younger. So he's got tons of leg. This is a, this could very well be a dynasty building as we speak for years to come. And hopefully they lock up Jason Sanders here soon. Cause that could be a big part of that, but you've got Tua, you've got, the offensive weapons he needs in the wide receiver. Uh, Jakeem's the speed guy. You'd like to see a little more speed, and I think we'll see that build throughout the years. But And we're starting to see running backs start getting in together. Salvin Ahmed's number three on the depth chart currently, but I know he's going to get some carries. Uh, I think he's the guy, Drew. I, th- I think that he can be the guy moving forward. I, I think so, too. I want to see – it's going to be fun to see him and Breed in the backfield this week. Agreed. 
Agree. I mean, Breed is that guy who's going to be that perennial, no matter who is, you know, whether it's Gaskin, whether it's, you know, um, DeAndre Washington, who they, who, who, you know, I don't think is a lead back, but is a complimentary back, but Breed is a complimentary back. And I think that all of these guys can really form Laird, Ahmed to really be that RBBC by com- that running back by committee that just wh- whoever's day it is great. But as long as they're moving the change and doing what they have to do, I, I really don't care who, who the guy is. You know what I mean? I think it's just going to be the hot hand is what it's going to be going right. forward. I mean, Miles Gaskin's come, going to come back here in a few weeks, and it's just going to be who's moving what. And there's going to be a competition because if you want to move and you don't want to be sent home like a certain running back is sitting at home right now, you're going to have to make something happen. Now, with Jordan Howard, he's coming back from injury. Maybe he's not quite where he wants to be yet. So I'm not going to hold that against Howard, but the move was made just like the move was made uh, to lock up Sealer. So our identity is defense, but the offense and Tua not making mistakes, that is the biggest thing we are seeing right now, not throwing interceptions. Everybody can say, well, there was just one interception. It was kind of – it happens to everybody. I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, if, you're, if your excuse is, oh, well, he hit a guy in the hands one time and it could have been picked off, so he shouldn't be starting, then you want to put Fitzpatrick back there who was hitting guys in the hands like it was high five and half the time? I mean, let's be dead honest here. He, if Fitzpatrick catchable balls, we're talking another five interceptions on the year. I mean, he hit a lot of guys in the hands through his starting games. I, we all love Fitzpatrick. Tua isn't doing that. Tua is taking care of the ball. When, it gets, when things aren't looking right, he's throwing the ball away. He, he may try to keep a play alive, but he knows when to stop and when to handle it. Unfortunately, that fumble when it is going to go against him, but that really wasn't last week his fault it was a bad snap it happens but you know it is what it is just like when you hit your wide receiver dead in the chest or right in the hands and they pop the ball up it's an interception you know even if it's not the QB's fault it is but that's just the way it goes but Tua has been doing everything he should do and two weeks two weeks in a row I have had the joy of actually enjoying the fact Miami's getting the ball back with around a minute and a half left after the other team got the ball back with two minutes left and couldn't make anything happen. Miami's got it back and it has been both weeks automatic points on the board. Tua has done just enough to try to get those points while not pushing to get those seven points. Okay. I mean, if he, if it happens, it happens, but get points before the half go in on a high because as long as you can get within field goal range, call up Mr. Automatic, and it's all done. Every cylinder of this team is clicking. You know, the three phases are just rocking and rolling. And you mentioned, you know, when you have the kick component in Sanders, and you got to mention Matt Hack because he's a field flipper. You know, I don't care if you're stuck at, you know, your own 29 because, you know, your initial drive did not go anywhere. After his kick, it's basically a, a kickoff and they just restarted the game. I mean, you're not getting a shank where they're going to start at, you know, the 47. You know, you're, you're flipping the field. And that's what Matt Hack has been doing. Sanders has been reliable, hasn't missed the PAT, has, has missed only that one kick. And the defense. This team is driven on the defense. And if they can get that running game squared away – and if Tua could just continue to be that game manager and when called upon, because we haven't, you know, other than the Cardinal game, there will be games that he'll need to really go on his progressions and hit these drives and, and bring the team back again. So let's get some more of that sample size. We're coming into the prediction now, Zone Drew. 
We need a score, and we need to get out of here what you think this game is going to end with. Okay. So Miami's largest margin of victory ever is 35-9 against the Broncos. My prediction is not that they score more than 35, but they score 35 again and smother the Broncos to six, therefore having their new largest margin of victory in team history at Denver, at their house, with everything that is going to go right this game all over the place. Firing out the predictions in specificity this week, Drew. I love it. And I'm going to go with you with the W. I'm going to go with you with the relatively high-scoring affair, but I'm going to say that there's going to be a little less than that. I don't know if we're going to quite hit the 30 mark. I'm going to go 28, you know, 28, which might not mathematically equate to Jason Sanders all over the place, but mathematically we'll get it done. But 28 points for the Dolphins, and I think maybe we'll get to like 16, 17 for the Broncos, a garbage time touchdown or something like that. So there will be scoring. It will be fun. I don't think the – Bells and whistles are going to go crazy with 50 points plus on each side. But I do like getting them out, getting them out of there with a W. And it should be a nice W. I, unless they get complacent, this game's a W. There's no, no two ways to look at it. They're a better team. They should win this game. And so far, that's one thing I've been really glad to see is the Dolphins are not playing down to their competition, as right. we've seen for years. They're going to put points up. They're going to do what they're going to do. They have a game plan, and they're not going to take their foot off the throttle. And not till it's the game's well in hand. Once the game's well in hand, everybody keeps saying, why wasn't he throwing, you know, 50, to a throwing for 50 yards in the second, you know, 50-yard bombs in the second half? Because why? Why risk an interception? Why risk any of that? Take care of the ball. Let the defense do its job and get Ws. Six and three. Six and three. We are doing great. I love this. I have, I, I, as a Dolphins fan, how can you not be happy right now? It's been years. It's been years, and we're, we're riding that high wave. We got three more wins in a row fixing to come. That's going to put them well in the run for the playoffs. And then they just got to peel off one or, the, one or two of these other ones. And if you, think they, if you think the Dolphins can beat the Raiders, then you think they can beat the Chiefs because – the Raiders already beat the Chiefs. There you go. So I'm looking forward to everything coming this year. It's a blast. We are having fun. Jason's having fun. He's smiling. He's profiling. And we are having Woo! a blast. <laughs> and I guess I'll leave it at that. Drew, I love it when you get happy because, you know, the Dolphins put a major smile on your face, put a major smile on my face, and really, we all deserve this as Dolphin fans, and this is really the time to be hopefully 7-3, and three. and then mathematically, that just shapes out to be, forget wild card contention, talk about division contention, but then, you know, you really got to talk about being in the absolute thick under the Steelers of getting that, you know, you never know. I mean, you absolutely never know with this schedule, but I got to do end with this. Brian Flores is, is probably just telling this team that there's only one game of this season right now, and it's the Broncos. No looking ahead, and that's what I think we've lacked in the past in the most major sense is the discipline, the coaching, the, the just everything in an organizational standpoint that even, knock on wood, they're handling these coaching aspects of the COVID situations remarkably well, and they're not missing a beat. So 
Fins up, everybody. Thank you for everyone for listening. And we will be around all weekend and through the game on Sunday as the Dolphins look to go to 7-3 and three in Ryan Flores' second full year as head coach of the Dolphins. Drew, thank you very much, buddy. Enjoy your weekend and a fins up to all you fin maniacs out there. Take care, everyone. Fin- fins up. <laughs>